Uh, everybody say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 12. And I pray you commit that to memory. I pray you realize joy is an essential commodity. It has very little to do with happiness. You know, we live in a country in our uh, constitution and, you know, declarations and so forth that, that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know. I have a friend who produced a movie with Will Smith called The Pursuit of Happiness. Uh, you know, happiness is fleeting because it's based on what happens. Uh, joy is superior because it's based on what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is this abiding condition of trust that somehow God's going to work this thing out. There's redemption. And when we see things the way Jesus wants us to see it, that God is going to perfect that which concerns us. He's the God of the turnaround. He answers prayer, right? And um, we know, Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, toward the tail end of Joseph's life, when he's doing famine relief for Egypt and even it's the out lying areas, including the Hebrews, and he's had to work through some forgiveness toward his brothers and sisters, and he's reunited with his little brother, Benjamin, and his dad, and things like that, and they were wondering if he was going to lob off their heads because he had been prison and then promoted to the vice president of Egypt in one day, and he says, "I'm I'm not in God's place to do that kind of thing. He said, I forgive you, and he said, you meant it for evil, but, but God's turning it around for good so that people will be made alive. James chapter 1 says that we're to count it all joy when we encounter various trials. Verse 3 says um, that the trying of our faith does certain things. Um, it produces endurance. And uh, God is interested in us pressing on. Paul so aptly said it in Philippians chapter 3. Not that I've already obtained it or have already been made perfect, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which lie behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's trying to lay hold of that for which he's been laid hold of in Christ. And um, that's what we're all doing. And it's, it's kind of handy, year beginning, January 2023, that we face the future biblically, Uh, which is with joy. Uh, And I want to go to Isaiah chapter 55 and show you something um, about God's reoccurring treatment of his people, of the Jewish people, and how repetitive and ongoing that is. And so you can understand the kingdom of God is actually not meat and drink. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And it says here in Isaiah 55, there's some Famous and memorable verses here, you know them. He says, um, in verse eight it's, or 6, says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and, he, and let him return to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Aren't you glad for compassion and pardon? Mercy triumphs over judgment. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now really, meditating on the word, we're invited to think the thoughts of God. We get our minds renewed by the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, Romans 8, Romans 10, 17. And so we get invited to look into God's thoughts. God's word, it's his express written will, it's his word. And we can go to his word. And as Addison quoted in the Elizabethan King James, I, she, I didn't know she speaks fluent King James. Joshua 1.8, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you and I, we shall meditate on it day and night, day and night. Uh, this is habit forming, and we might as well form good habits and get in the word and enjoy the scriptures and study to show ourselves approved unto God as workmen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately, rightly dividing the word. You'll meditate on the word day and night, James, uh, Joshua 1.8, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have success. That is a sure guarantee that as we go into the word and then we are careful to do it. I think of Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentle or forbearing or kind-heartedness and loving spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. And then it goes on and it says, for Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. God urges us to be doers in the area of prayer. Not do a bunch of worry, but get over and say, God, I'm going to take these anxieties and cares. And like even what Peter reiterated in 1 Peter 5, 7 and 8, I humble myself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says he'll exalt us at the proper time. Casting all your cares upon him, all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And look what it says as a result of praying. Don't worry about anything, pray about everything. I've caught myself worrying. And I, wait a minute, I did, did I pray about it? And I start praying about it immediately. I start casting my care. I find wherever I, in memory, can remember a promise concerning it. If I don't, I'll look it up till I find it. If I think I know it, but I don't, I'll look at it. And uh, I'll stand on the promises of God, and I'll, I'll, I'll match that and, and, and present it to the Lord. Let your request be made known to God. Look what it says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And look at the result in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you appreciate when peace and settledness comes into a situation? How many of you have experienced that... Uh, that, that fear-based kind of thing that can come on us and bringings. The Bible says don't be afraid of sudden fear. There are things that are floods of our chemistry, that, that fight-or-flight thing, the, the adrenaline and all that stuff. And the devil loves to play on that with us. And, uh, but God, the cure is to trust the Lord and his trustworthiness and that assurance and that the peace of God will come because he's, the, didn't it say in Isaiah that he's the prince of peace? His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, right? 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And the idea is serenity in the midst of a storm. Jesus slept in the boat in Matthew and Mark 4 when he was going across in the storm-tossed sea. Don't you care that we're perishing? He wasn't you know, ignoring the problem. He was resting in the fact that the everlasting arms were going to see him through all the way to the end, right? How many of you say the Lord's been good to you? You say you have a testimony about his goodness. Oh, yeah. And um, I love the idea of peace coming in. I've got a peace about that. In fact, on my vacation, I was writing some things down every morning, and one of the things I wrote was that the three things we need to proceed in, in 2023 with are love, peace, and faith. I say, well, of course, Pastor Jeff. God is love, and we're to walk in love. Faith works through love. And, of course, faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And, of course, peace, because Colossians 3.16 says, let peace be the umpire in your heart. And uh, I want to do things that have a peace about it, and I don't want to do things that have a check or a, 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 a grading about it, right? And I pray this for this whole, this would flood our whole church family, all the services. We've had some wonderful services today. But this one's custom made for you. And I've got five things I want to bring to you out of this. But look at this main thing. And, and it says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without a watering the earth and making it bear and sprout, verse 10, chapter 55 of Isaiah, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread for the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from your, my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. I talked to a pastor of a large church in another state this morning. I pray with him every week. And he's having a meeting, a prayer for healing next week. And he's been preparing them by teaching on healing. And I believe with him for healing today. Not just next week, but today. We got an agreement on that and we were happy, both happy about it based on Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. So too shall my word be, which proceeds from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what it's been sent to do. God's word, he sent it to your house. God's word, he sent it to your heart. He sent it to your receptivity. He sent it to me when I was lost. And the marker that he used to click me out of pluralism and sin was John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. That pierced my soul and brought me into conviction, and I attribute my conversion to the revelation that he gave me through that scripture. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. How will they believe if they've never heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless you're sent? This is a sending station. I'm a preacher. This is a local church. Jesus is the head of the church. He said to Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. By the way, he said it's upon this rock. He says, you're Peter, a different Greek word, upon this rock, another Greek word. That rock, I believe, is the rock of the revelation that he had that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the foundation of our faith. That's the acknowledgement of our awareness of who he is. And once that's established, we're off to the races. And I want to tell you, it says like what it said for ancient Israel. He says, 
In verse 12, for you will go out with joy, be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth which into shouts of joy before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. I look at trees differently than I used to. It's like, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You too, trees. You know? And I look at mountains differently. I look at mountains more like what it said in, in Jeremiah, I made you a threshing wheel that will pulverize the mountains. Or like what Jack Hayford brought out to me, Pastor Jack, 88 years old, present with the Lord this last week, the guy that was the editor for the Spirit-Filled Life Bible that Dick Mills contributed to and so did Reinhard Bonnke, very much an impactful pastor through the decades of my ministry. He, I, I love that Zechariah where it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But Pastor Jack brought me into the next verses. Uh, what are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain with shouts of grace, grace to it. Basically, the, the top stone will be removed. Whatever a, a barrier, whatever hindrances. We were coming against hindrances yesterday in prayer. Whatever the devil's trying to hinder you on. I believe God spectacularly has provided his word as a resource to pulverize the mountains. Jesus taught it in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Have faith in God. For whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says shall come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. We speak to our mountains. Mountains of insecurity. Mountains of fear. We speak to the tempter and temptation and ask God to deliver us from evil and we command the devil to be removed. We command the barriers and the blockages on a nation to be lifted off. I remember Laszlo Tokas and the, the intercessors in the Romanian church praying and believing God in, in uh, communist Europe and the Eastern Bloc nations and they prayed that Berlin Wall down and they prayed that Iron Curtain dissolved and God opened a door of faith to the Eastern Bloc nations, and I've had the privilege of seeing it again and again and again. That's part of how we walked through into former Yugoslavia during 99 when the Serbians attacked the, 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 the ethnic Albanians in Kosovo. God opened the door of faith to the Albanian world, and now, just a few weeks ago, Pastor Dreton texted me, they had over 300 people at church. When I was over there in 99, a man named Hans Manigren, who worked for Billy Graham and still does, he's a, he's a guy that helps start churches. He, he said to me when he realized why we were there, we were there to help rebuild the houses and, and accommodate the, the refugees that, that their homes were burned and to get them back in shelters because of the cold, harsh winter. God set us up and opened a door of the gospel in that moment. I had been preceding that. God had had me read a little book about Albania, I didn't even know where Albania was. I had to look at it on the key in the map to find it. And Albanians, and, 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 and uh, right next to it, uh, Yugoslavia was just named that through World War II, uh, and one and two, so that now it's back to Macedonia and Serbia, Herzegovina, and, uh, Bosnia, Herzegovina, and all that stuff, and Kosovo. Kosovo is now its own uh, republic, and it's trying to base it on uh, what they perceived about America, I think they would tell us, hey guys, the other stuff doesn't work. We're going this way while you're, don't pass us in the hall. Stay here, you know. But anyway, God opened a door for the gospel and Jesus is lifted up in that environment. And Hans Mandegren warned me. He said, listen, I 
watched a pattern here. Churches get up to about 20 or 25, and then a brother will have a strife against a brother, and there will be a split. And they never top past 25. I, it made the hair on the, my arms stand up. I went, what? And I thought, this guy is like a unique, interesting, prophetic guy from Sweden, Hans Manigrid. And, he, and he, he, in fact, still stays in touch with me through just uh, running into people we know all over the world. So I took heed to that. And, you, and I'm telling you, it was like plowing through concrete to establish a church in a post-communist uh, environment that where Jesus had been dismissed and even the Islam was just nominal. And then, but yet Jesus comes in on the scene, the Prince of Peace. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you want that peace? Oh, I love it when there's that peace through the storm. The peace that passes understanding. The peace that will guard. And I need my mind and my heart guarded. Right? I need my thought life guarded and I need my spiritual life guarded. Right? Then it goes on and it tells us eight things to meditate on. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, if there's any, uh, let's see, I'm missing one. If there's anything excellent and anything worthy of praise, I missed one. Let's put up uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren... That's what a pastor says toward the end of a message, and it means nothing. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever... Let's read this out loud together. Can we do it? Right. Ready? Set. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute... That's what I missed... If there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, look at this, ponder these things, dwell on these things, think on these things. I was talking with my daughter Chelsea, and there's a, um, a, a personality malady, personality malady, uh, called hyperfocus. And it's, you know, you, it's like that's where OCD checks in and where you can just get overly uh, you can ruminate, you know, and the negative part of that is, is, is going into these dark places or just obsessive. Um, the positive side of that, though, I mean, if you're going to have that kind of problem, it's kind of like James Taylor. He got addicted to drugs. He was drinking Romilar with, uh, with, with codeine in it. He was, you know, while he was riding his bike in between concerts and stuff. And he said he shifted his addiction to uh, uh, exercise. Now, some... Um, People in recovery, the recovery culture would say you shouldn't shift your addictions. But I think if you're going to fixate on something, it's better to fixate and stay healthy, right? Right? Uh, uh, but, and, I would, and I've even had people say, well, you're just using Jesus as a drug. He's not a drug. He's not a crutch. He's not even a hospital bed. He's the whole hospital. He's my Lord and Savior. And yes, I am leaning on, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms because he is trustworthy, Right? Talk about a trust fall. I remember when uh, David Moore was doing a stage dive on, at church and all of his friends down in the mosh pit, the Red Sea parted and David slammed right there on the floor. Jesus won't do that to you. 
Maybe some of the brothers and sisters will go, whoop. But uh, Jesus is not going to go, kidding. He's not going to fake you out. Just kidding, right? He's going to be there for you. What's that, everlasting arms? What's that behind you? Goodness and mercy following you all the days of your life. He, your righteousness goes before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. How about that? Isaiah 58, fasting and praying. Believe in God. And look what it says here. If we don't worry about things and we do what the Bible says and we, we go and cast our cares and bother to take a moment, God, I pray about my kid's school, about what he's, he or she's learning right now, and I pray that you help them with their homework. Help me to help them with their homework. God, I can't tell them that I don't understand this any more than they do, so I'm gonna, I need your help, right? Help. Help in their development. Help my community, God. Heal our land. God, humble, we humble ourselves and pray and seek your face. You said to the, to the Jewish people of the Old Testament, you'd hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. We humble ourselves and turn from our wicked ways. So God, if it works for them, we trust you for that for us as well. And not only that, as we cast our cares on you, we know the peace of God will come. I've, I've gone through stuff where I've, here's the way I would say it, uh, prayed till I got a note of victory. I even think that as we go develop in praise and worship times, there, there's sometimes um, the necessity to press in until we experience a note of victory. Um, where the peace of God, that we get that breakthrough. Does anybody understand? The old saints used to call it praying through. And I just think it's pressing past our own carnality and the preoccupations and getting our minds back on him. David said it in Psalm 19, the last verse, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And, um, you know, that's, he, he wants us to get our minds stayed on him. He said, he said I think this is a hyper-focused verse, Isaiah 26.3, he'll keep us in perfect peace as we keep our minds stayed on him, right? The steadfast of mind will be kept in perfect peace. Steadfast of mind, kind of synonymous with focus. And it says in Philippians, just like it said in Isaiah, um, his word doesn't return empty. And so we exchange our thoughts for his thoughts, right? Paul said, be not conformed to this world in Romans chapter 12, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that's not advocating that we just are brainwashed by groupthink and church speak, and we're just kind of ignoring everything. God has us be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, and it's crystal clear how messed up things are. Like with Kosovo, and I saw the, the, the attacks and the Serbians burned the houses, and when the town we went to, called, uh, Jakova, over 1,200 people were killed. I visited the mass graves. I visited the widows weeping with their black clothes, weeping in their, in their farmhouses. And uh, yet I saw where sin abounds, grace does much more abound, and that God's near the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit, and how he comes and he visits us, and he, he visited upon us and gave us guidance, and I'm trusting him to do that in these upcoming days. How about you? And like with the ancient Israel, he says, you'll go out with joy and you'll be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth before you. All the trees of the fields will clap their hands. 
Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. And instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up. It will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. You know, we've had thorny situations, thorn bushes in our lives. And just the idea that God could replace the thorn bush with a, with a cypress. Cypress is a beautiful, elegant tree. You could see them all through Israel. They just grow up. They're like fingers pointing up to heaven. They're like church spires as plants. They're beautiful. Uh, Van Gogh painted a bunch of them. Uh, my dad used them for screen around the house in San Diego. They're beautiful. Cypress trees. And uh, they're way better than those stupid thorn bushes. I tripped over a cactus on vacation. And yea, verily, it irritated my right foot. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to have the visible thorns. But what about those demon-possessed, invisible thorns? You know, in the last service, Addison talked about how she got home and got the baby out of the car, and uh, there was a big rust-colored wasp sitting on my little grandbaby's arm. And Mama, her ears pinned back, and she made sure that wasp got off the baby without stinging her. And then she took the baby quickly out of the chair and got, out, got away from there. So when I, they, were, they were at our house, and when I got out of my car, I thought, why is she leaving the stroller out here? This thing costs almost the entire amount of my first house. It does everything. The legs retract. You put it in the seat. You know, it's like, it's, it, they're amazing. You carry them around like a, I mean, we had, well, we had arms. But anyway, I, I looked over at it, and there was this evil wasp sitting on the cup holder next to the where the little. And I looked at it, and I grabbed a piece of firewood off the off the fire uh, the the pile right next to the driveway, and and uh, I tried not to break the chair because I was remembering this is 1.5 million dollar thing. So then, bam! I got that thing and smashed it crushed it. I thought, okay, I don't know if this is a stretch biblically, but it says we'll tread upon serpents and scorpions. So I think I had to include wasps in there. Because don't mess with my... And she, she, as a mama, she took care of the baby, but then when, the, when grandpa came along, I took care of it. And I'm going to tell you, listen, spiritual parallel. Whatever little vexing, waspy, stingy thing that's trying to come, he'll turn the the, the, the thorn bush, he changes things. He, he changes circumstances. That's why he says, don't worry about anything, it says in the New Living Translation. Instead, pray about everything. Isn't that amazing? We go to the Father in the name of Jesus, and he hears us. And, and he says, you have not because you ask not or you ask amiss to consume it upon your own desires. So we have to have right motives, but, but God wants to motivate us into the prayer closet so that that peace will come. But then notice this in, in Philippians chapter 4. And I started on this a little bit on Friday night, but I feel led to share it again. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever, I mean, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, what is ever of good repute or good report, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, look at this, dwell on, ponder, think of these things, right? That's what is happening. There's a, 
is happening forcibly right now because I'm up here preaching my head off to you about these things. I've just probably quoted 15 verses trying to get the word in you. I've tried to tie it in with examples to try to bring this point to you so that you will be brought forth with joy. You'll be led forth with peace. That you'll be able to proceed into 2023 with that love of God driving you, that you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How many of you like to have peace come in on your situation and get out of stress? I would, and I do, and I'm grateful for it. But guess what? There's even something better. Because he says this. He says in the next verse, after those eight things to ponder, he says, the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. That's the key right there. James says that we're not to be hearers of the word only who delude themselves, but we're to develop and learn to be effectual doers of the word. So like last week when Chelsea taught on forgiveness, uh, she was basically prophetically seeing that, you know, I could preach about vision casting and, and goal setting, and, those, and she does that, and that is important. Without a vision, my people perish, and it's important to set our sights so it's specific and measurable and attainable and relevant and time-bound, and so we know if we hit it, right, and trust God for it, right? Specifically, but specifically, when you stand praying, it says in Mark eleven twenty-five, 25, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Boy, God gets up on me about this. As, at what, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and abusive speech and, and, and slander and all that stuff be put away from you, it says at the end of Ephesians 4. Ephesians 5, 1 says, uh, as, as beloved children, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, right? Love is patient, love is kind, love values others. Love doesn't insist on its own way. That ties into what it says about uh, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. That's not sissy. Like right now, we're being challenged. What's your position on this social issue? Where do you stand on this issue, society? What, what, and I, and you, don't you avoid this, pastor. You've you got to be political. Well, no, I want to win both sides of the aisle to the Lord. Well, that evangelism is like an idol. I, I saw a guy had a chapter of a book on that. I was like, no, evangelism is our chief mission. To conform to the image of Jesus and to become all things to all men that we may say. Doesn't mean water it down, doesn't mean avoidance, doesn't mean we're sissies. Gentle spirit doesn't mean being a wimp. In fact, it takes everything to have a gentle spirit. I've been around real men's men and real women women, and they have backbone enough to shut up in the midst of a situation where they could take the bait and get weird. I watched judges in court maintain objectivity in order to give fairness to all the parties for justice. And our God is infinitely greater than any human being with any of those aptitudes. He personifies love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Our God, as we walk with him, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest, Jesus said. And he says something amazing. He said his yoke's easy and his burden is light and and, and he said, you'll find rest for your souls. He said, because I am gentle and humble of heart. The lion of the tribe of Judah has healthy checks and balances. He is developed. 
And he's the head of the church, and he wants the church to develop, to rely on God, to take our problems to the Lord in prayer. This will help us. I'm feeling help as I'm preaching this, because I'm going to do it. I am doing it. Practice these things. Look what it says here after verse 8. And the God of peace will be with you. How many of you like the peace of God coming in, lingering in your, like, a, like an aroma, and you're like, oh, that feels good. We were cooking some good food, and our kids came over. They said, oh, it smells good. They came hungry. Smells good in here. You know, it's just that it's good to have that atmosphere of peace. Uh, you know, a, a house full of strife is a bad thing. You could sense that too. But how about not only the peace of God that passes understanding guarding your heart and mind, how about, and the God of peace will be with you? That's really what I want. I got in this to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and to connect with the Holy Spirit and flow with him. And it's amazing how the drift factor will get us like the church of Ephesus. Man, you're not putting up with false apostles. You're, you're persevering. You've got good works. But this one thing I have against you, you've, you've left your first love. And gives a prescription for three things. He said, remember from where you've fallen, repent, and do the deeds you did at first. Amen. Well, what were the deeds we did at first? I think about my marriage. My first deeds, focus on my uh, girl I was attracted to. So I thought, I want my marriage to be built to last. I want my Christian walk to be built to last. I want our church to be built to last. I want our family to be built to last, right? I want our community to be built to last. I want the United States of America to endure. Because people are like Kosovo, they're looking to it. You know, I want the church to get this idea from the, the Jewish people. We're going to have Rabbi Jim Bennett and the Sheremeth uh, graduates of their, um, their youth um, classes, or confirmation classes. I mean, it's been like 12 years. They, they want to come here because they know, they trust that we love them. And they want to expose their kids to people of different faiths. And they've chosen this church uh, because, you guys, it's observable that you get it, that Jesus, salvation came through the Jews, John chapter 4, and that, that we have so much from Moses and Abraham and David, come on, and that, that the early church were all Jewish, and, uh, you know, here we are in this church age where we uh, get grafted in by the grace of God, right? Uh, I didn't get this by covenant or by inheritance. I got it by adoption and by a gift. Don't you think I'm happy about that? So they're going to come, and, uh, you know, that God of Abraham and that God of David and that God of Moses and that God of Zechariah and Zerubbabel and Jeremiah and Isaiah, you look at this and you see you'll be brought forth with joy. You'll be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth with shouts of joy before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. The assurance I get out of this as I close is that God will strengthen us with this. He'll make us versatile, flexible, and adaptable with this. He'll make us mobile with this. My trainer is over in the corner, and he talked about strength, mobility, and flexibility. Say that. Strength, mobility, and flexibility. Now, I'm twice his age, so he's sensitive to, to age-specific um, but I'm, I'm in denial about it. I'm trying to keep up with these young guys, you know, because that's what guy, you know, I'm like, 
I told a guy that we were all 18 on the inside, and the, uh, uh, this, this uh, guy, my valet at the hotel out in California said, we're like 14 on the inside. I said, yeah, you're right, right. And uh, yeah, the inner child is uh, like a punk teenager. But anyway, the idea of being strengthened. Um, Addison showed me a clip of a, a woman in her 70s that had let herself go and um, could hardly move around. She was weak. She was inflexible. She was stiff. And through just gradually working out, gained strength. In a modest way, the lady had abs. She showed, Addison showed me this picture. This this elegant elderly lady had abs. And it showed it in in a respectful way. But it was like, what? I mean, I've had an ab. I've heard of them. They're under there somewhere, right? But these are the things, if you're a note taker, that I want you to write down. Strength, flexibility, mobility, I'll say them again, durability and longevity. Strength. I think of Mr. Jim Gaines, amazing man in our church for years, contributor. Our church is impacted by the Gaines family. He's here. His wife's gone to be with the Lord. He's not in self-pity. He's pressing on. He's doing what John chapter 4, 14, 1 through 3 says. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I'd have told you. Right? And he's pressing in. He's pressing in. And uh, that's what we do. And the Bible says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, right? It doesn't say to be strong in our own strength. In fact, Paul says it to Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's a grace. Take a deep breath and say, I could do that. Flexibility. So where instead of going like this, you can go like that. I broke my arm in high school. And uh, the doctor said, you'll never be able to lift your arm past here. You'll not be able to join the military, and you'll never be able to raise your arm past here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then I had a boating accident, and I hit right there. And uh, the doctor showed me in high school that right here where your humerus bone broke, and I thought, humerus bone? There's nothing funny about this. And uh, it was like a jagged two, like, spikes, and it was separated by uh, a full gap. It wasn't just a crack. It was like a full break, and it was too high up to put a a cast on it, so they had to strap it down, and for a teenager, you know, you're flipping all around. I jumped in the swimming pool, and that was stupid. And uh, my brother will tell you that my hand was, it looked like a blue glove because some guy took it upon himself to give me first aid, and on the football field where I broke my arm, my arm was laying really weird, and I was, you know, was kind of stunned by it. And he took my hand and put it between his, his ribs and his hand, and he started trying to, because he thought it was out of socket. He thought it was, out, it was dislocated. And so he scissored those, mu- those ends of those bones in there, and it cut the muscle in there. So it was all blown up, all blue and black, and it was terrible. But you know, when that boating accident happened and I hit that and was knocked unconscious and it hit right there, he told me, the doctor said, this will be the strongest part of your body because where it was broken, the calcium will build up 
and it'll end up being, it'll be so dense and so strong. I thought, well, that, that's cool. What the enemy meant for harm, God turns around for good. We got hit in the gut with the flood of 93, but we also learned how to do, how to overcome being a victim and transition into being victorious by help and by service. And we became skilled at, because we knew exactly how it felt, how to walk to people respectfully and offer to help and let them be the boss and serve them and let them tell us how to do what and clean out their houses and start to get them back on their feet, right? What the enemy meant for harm, God turns around for good. All the garbage that's happened in your life, God the Redeemer can come in and turn it around and you'll be brought forth with joy. You'll be led forth with peace. I'm not advocating glib giddiness and denial and everything's fine. You know, I love Bobby McFerrin because his dad's from St. Louis and he did the whole song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, with his own voice, no instruments. And it's a great song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. You know, it's fun. But Jesus takes it to a practical level. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And then that produces a joy. That brings peace and the peace of God, which passes all understanding. I mean, I've prayed desperation prayers over situations that looked hopeless. So have you. And my God got a hold of it and got on it. And thank you, Jesus, for answering those prayers. John chapter 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. I remember when you were desperate in the hospital on your, I think, second transplant, and you felt lost. God brought you out of that. And God was there answering those prayers. While I was gone and Dr. Don Davis preached, I got an email that during worship, unbeknownst to anybody else, a lady who had been battling terrible pain and symptoms, standing just minding her business worshiping Jesus, instantly got healed. All the pain left her body. Just left her body. Hallelujah. I was in worship one time, and I saw some visitors over in the, in the in, they were weeping, this couple, they were weeping. I said, are you guys okay? And the people around them were weeping. And it was because God was moving on them. I thought there was something wrong. <laughs> like there was something right. And I thought, well, it was, I thought it was just great praise and worship. Can I tell you, I just thought, I didn't feel the presence of God. Apparently they did. I did a wedding in Kosovo for the pastor and his wife, Ina and Dritan. Ina burst into tears while I was doing the exchange of vows. For you see, in the communist nations, it's formal. You go to the state house and, and, the, and the, 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 the justice of the peace or whatever gives you the certificate. You stand there and you do your formality and sign the paper, paperwork, and then you have a party, dance all night. But three times because he's saved, Ina because she's saved, they're from a Muslim background, but they said, now we want to have a Christian wedding. So I said, okay, so I... I went and I did, the, I did the wedding. And the headmaster of the school there, highly educated, really precious man, a servant to the community, but had never been in church. He said, I've never felt anything like that in my life. And I was jet lagged. I, guys, I've, I, I've done, I'm not jaded, but I've done over a thousand weddings. So been there, done that kind of thing. And he's, yet he, he's, he said, I, I've never felt that before. What was that? And Dritan, you know, I said, what'd you tell him? I told him it was the presence of the Holy Spirit. It was God, you know. And so it's like, oh, wow. And, and, and I told a friend, I told a Pastor Keith Moore, actually, I told him about it. I said, he, I, I, he said, I, I, said I, I didn't really sense anything. He said, that's because you're used to it. 
Not that I'm jaded by it, but I, I, and I, I, I am so enjoying the sweet spot of being in God's peace. But better yet, the peace of God, but the God of peace coming and pulling up a chair next to you and saying, I love you, man. Rifes, I've been praying for you, thinking about you and the love God has for you, your son and your daughter, God's hand on you, beautiful Kathleen, your mom. And you've been on my heart for the last few days, and I just am so happy to see you. Just think about Jim coming all the way from Columbia, Illinois. It's like 45 miles, and I'm just honored to have you here today, and I love and miss your wife, brother, and I pray healing on your heart and that you just have great days up ahead, sir, great days. I think about you guys that have busted through ridiculous stuff, made a lot of mistakes. Aren't you grateful for the love of God? That where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Who in here is glad for the mercy of God? We can't get legalistic because we'd be the first to burn up. And I want to pray for you right now that you will go out with joy, be led forth with peace, that you'll be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, that you'll become versatile, flexible, and adaptable. You'll be able to flow with the spirit Mobile, that you're not sedentary. You're on the move and you're yielded. John 3.8 says the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. And he says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Can I tell you, there's something magnificent in developing a prayerful sensitivity to and yearning for God and reinforcing that. And the devil's working hard to numb us down, keep us sedentary, make us inflexible, weaken us. Isaiah 40, the last few verses said, they that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. You might not even feel it, but right now you're being strengthened. While I was on vacation, I visited, Patsy and I went to a church we visited before. And uh, it was a real good, solid, I think, Baptist church. And the pastor got up, and he was real humble, and he had a great word. Baptists have three-point sermons. And uh, I've got like five, and then I've got 16 and 40. <coughs> I, I shared with somebody the other day about what I shared on Friday night. and said, that's like a series. That's like a six-week series. My wife said, Jeff, you don't have to preach at all each service. But I don't know. I don't know when I'll see you again. Right? And the television's trying to get us 18 hours a day, and social media's trying to get us 72 hours a day, and all the worries and cares, the devil's trying to get us 365 days a year. I get you guys for 20 minutes. I preach a six-week series in a, in, a, in a half an hour. Why? So that your faith will grow. So that your trust will return. So that your endearment and love for God will increase. That you're like the serpent who beguiled Eve try to beguile the Corinthians from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Boy, don't we know about that. And so we press into God and his word. This is why I read my Bible. Not because I'm a professional minister, but because I'm a Christian that needs the Bible. Why do I pray? Because I don't want to worry about stuff. I want to give it to God and trust him and see the answers to prayer. Let's all stand up on our feet. Durability means you're not going to wear out and you're not going to burn out. Indefatigable strength. Say this with me. And my God shall supply all of my needs 
All of your needs. Point to somebody. Go like this. All of our needs, according to his riches and glory, by Christ Jesus. Lift up your hands. Lord, move mightily on all these households. Move mightily on all these businesses represented, all these careers, the students and the educations, all the relationships developing. Help us, Lord, to be that gentle spirit. Let our forbearing spirit be known to all, not be bitter and factious and hostile. Help us to have backbone, Lord. Help us to know the do's and don'ts and the difference between good and evil. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling and a manner worthy of you. Who wants that? Wave your hands to me. And now, God, when we stand praying, we forgive if we have anything against anybody. God, today we receive your healing love. We receive a mid-course correction. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. God, we don't, we don't resist when, when you're chastening us or dealing with us. In fact, whom the Lord loves, he he, he corrects. So we receive that. We're open to that. We're teachable about that. But we're not letting the devil jump in on it and lay condemnation on us because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say this with me. By my God, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Faithful is he who calls me. He'll also bring it to pass. And if you've never submitted to Jesus or given your heart to Jesus, ask him to come into your life. One of the dying words of one of these pop stars that just died last week said, heaven is overrated. Oh, I don't think so, sir. He knows now that it's not overrated. It's muy importante. Heaven and hell. There's a hell to avoid and there's a heaven to gain. And, and we've set our affections on things above. Our citizenship is heaven. Jesus is our Lord. The Bible is our roadmap. Our mission is clear. The great commandment is to walk in love and the great commission is to make disciples of all the nations. And I trust you to bring these things to pass in Jesus' name.